We're reading from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 34, two sections in it. first one's uh, entitled The Resurrection of Christ and then The Resurrection of the Dead. Verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. It was not I, but the grace of God that is, in, in with, that is with me. Now whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, now preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We are even... We are even found to be misrepresenting God because he t we testified about God that he ra raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also has, also has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. And when all things are subjected to him, then the Son of Himself sorry, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. 
Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptised on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. So far the reading of God's word. A text verse, verse 21. For as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. And the topic this evening, we were dead but are now alive in Christ. We were dead but are now alive in Christ. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, death is the last enemy. We all know that. And we know that we will all face death one day. And when I was busy writing the sermon about 1 Corinthians 14. I started to read 1 Corinthians 15 as well. As you've heard this morning, it's about order. And Paul continues about order. But each in his own order, he says in verse 23. Christ the first fruit, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Also consider that some of our loved ones, some of our congregations stood at an open grave on Thursday. Then it's so necessary, so needed, when we are confronted by death, to be comforted by the resurrection of Christ. Paul also said, when one member has heard 1 Corinthians 12, then the whole body is hurt. And I've mentioned this morning, we have true peace in Jesus because with his suffering on earth, he saved us from eternal damnation. With his resurrection, he conquered death and Satan and he earned eternal peace for God's children. In Jesus, God's order was restored. He's the second Adam. And Paul explains this in our passage, for as by a man came death, Adam. And everyone shares in that. That's the fruit or the seed of Adam. But by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam we all die, the last enemy. But in Christ we shall be made alive. And when Paul wrote to this Congregation and Corinthians, he did not try to explain the resurrection of Christ. He accepted this as a God-given fact, a reality. This is what makes you a Christian. 
We read in verses 12 and 13 of our Bible reading. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? And there's hard words that are spoken to this congregation. If there's no resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, Paul says. Your faith is in vain. It comes down to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul called it foolishness to say that there is no resurrection of the dead. And he gave a few reasons. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching will be useless. Also our faith. And for Christian faith, Resurrection is reality, like it is reality to expect the sun when we wake up. Another reason then, the apostles would have been founded false witnesses. And Paul explained how the Lord appeared to more than one. 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Many witnesses. And the Jewish principle was always when there were two, but there were 500 and even more. James, then to all of the apostles, last of all of us, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And so the apostles and all these witnesses testified that Jesus was dead, and he is risen. This is a fact. Apostles saw the glory of God with their own eyes. They were there, and Jesus even silenced, silenced Thomas when he showed him his wounds. Another reason, then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. This is the martyrs. Those who suffer terrible deaths. But it would also mean that there would be no hope in Christ anymore. They had to be pitied more than all men. They have died for their faith in Jesus, and therefore they did not fear lions in the arena, a stoning like Stephen, the first deacon. They could forgive even their enemies in Jesus. Like Stephen, who cried out, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Paul himself fought with beasts in the arena. But the Lord delivered him. So he asked in verse 32, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? And if the dead are not raised, then we should go out and eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Give us over to fatalism. Life has no sense, no meaning. Jesus wasn't resurrected. According to Paul, if there's no resurrection, he could rather eat and drink, focus on worldly pleasure than facing beasts in the arena. Life would have been futile. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, we accept the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ as a God-given fact. This is our hope. This is why we have all the hope in the world. This is the essence of the Christian faith, the hope in the darkness of the world that turns even darker. Because we have a kingdom perspective that life doesn't end year. This is a fact. Christ is risen. And we celebrate this on Easter Sunday, but we celebrate this every Sunday because this is the day that Christ rose again. And that's why the disciples started to meet on a Sunday, and every Sunday after that, the first day of the week, after Jesus was crucified. And for Christians now, Sunday is the thanksgiving or the memorial of our new life in Christ. To say thank you to the Lord. This is the new life of the eternal Sabbath that started when Jesus was resurrected to life. And Paul explained this further. We were all dead. We were dead because of our sinful nature, the first Adam. And scripture is very clear about this. Paul explained this in verse 21, for as my man came death, and that's the first part of our text verse. I've explained this this morning as well with the disobedience of Adam and Eve, and how chaos and the whole earth was subjected to chaos. And Paul was telling the congregation that before their salvation in Jesus, they were dead. He did it in the letter to the Ephesians as well. They were dead in their transgressions and sin because of original sin. All this was caused by sin. By sin, death came. Adam. And sin stands in contrast to God's will. God hates it. Sin is punished to body and soul eternally. And we could not bear this horrible, severe punishment, the death penalty. For us miserable sinners, there was only one path. The path that leads to eternal death and eternal hell. Was there no hope left? Then Paul gave the hope, the gospel. By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That man is Jesus. Jesus is the second Adam. Through the first Adam, death entered into the world. And Adam and all his descendants were infected with a fatal virus called death. So that all people must die. From children, right through. But through Christ, everything changed. Jesus, however, has been raised from the dead, making possible and true his resurrection. And so Paul refers to the extremities of the history of death, the beginning and the end. Adam introduced death, but Christ abolished death. And the reason? Because Christ has been raised from death, from the death, from the death, death, all will be raised. And Paul used the word first fruits, 
reaped in anticipation of the whole harvest in verse 20. Again, the seed. It's the same idea. All those who believe in Christ will be saved, raised. With the resurrection of Jesus, the harvest has begun, the first fruit of the harvest. And it will continue until the last day, until all those who belong to Jesus would be raised. And it's so clear. The Lord is revealing to us what's going to happen, what's happening when we face our last enemy. But we must ask, how can a holy God be so compassionate to sinful people? And Paul gave that answer in Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5, because of God's love. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what our life now is. We haven't died yet a second death, but we have a restored relationship with God in Jesus. And we don't have to fear death. Jesus conquered that death. And also to know that I'm not standing as a convict before God, but as an innocent, a child before God. And it's by grace. By grace you have been saved. Grace means to show mercy, the mercy of Ephesians 2. To someone who doesn't deserve anything, someone who deserved the death penalty because they have the seed of Adam to give them mercy. We were dead in our sins, but God has made us alive. Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of this world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And all these things wouldn't be true if Christ stayed in the grave. He had to rise from the dead. Death's ties had to be loosened so that we could share in His grace and eternal life. And Paul explained this in verses 26 to 28. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the enemy that every one of us will face. But God has put all things in subjection under his feet. When it says all things are put in subject, subjection, it's plain that he expected who put all that he is expected to put all things in subjection under him. And when all things are subjected to him, then the, the Son himself will also be subjected to him to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. And Paul used Psalm 8 verse 6 here. And if you understand that, then it starts to make sense. When it says that everything has been put under his subjection, it is clear this does not include God himself. 
but God who put everything under Christ, his son. And we had, when he had done this, the son himself was made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. The Lord who gave his son, his son that needed to go through death as well, so that we could be alive. And it means in Christ, I became living again. This is more than to receive eternal life one day in the future. It has meaning for today. Lord's Day 17 of the Heidelberg Catechism, how does Christ's resurrection benefit us for now? And first by his resurrection, he has overcome death so that he might make us share in the righteousness he won for us by his death. Second by his power, we too already now are resurrected to a new life. Now already. And the third one, Christ's resurrection, is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. One day we will rise again. That's for the future. By the same power that raised Christ, the Holy Spirit, we are resurrected. And the Spirit sanctified us in Christ. This means if we encounter Christ, our life every day is renewed in His resurrection power, His Spirit. And that's repentance. To repent from your sin is to be alive in Jesus, to do what He wants us to do according to His Word and Spirit. So that we can confess like Paul, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's our lives. But it is also comfort for the future. With Christ I have a place in heaven. The resurrection power of Christ has the last word in my life. When I face death, and when my body, and I will preach about it next week, the resurrection body, is planted like a seed in the ground, I have the serious and glorious comfort that I will be alive one day. Resurrected as well. We will one day physically rise from the dead like Paul and all the martyrs. What literally happened with Christ is also promised that I will rise. And as Christ was dead but risen from the dead, so God will make me alive in body and spirit. We have now found already a place in heaven. But what happened to Christ will also happen to us. Our body will die, but God will resurrect my dead body to life, recreate it according to 1 Corinthians 15, and we will reign in spirit and body forever with Christ. And Christ is the victor over death. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54. But why are we still dying? Death is not something that we need to be afraid of. See that... The grave is just that place where our sin-infested dirty clothes are changed to the heavenly glorified clothes. And we don't have to fear death because it's the passage to eternal life. Paul called this life but and tent. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. 
For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. And therefore, brothers and sisters, when we face death, we don't have to be afraid. But know that God called us to a new life which began as Christ has been raised from the death on the third day. And when God resurrected us in Jesus and made us alive already by His Spirit. And we can rejoice now already. Knowing faith with Paul as he explained. And with every believer that death has no say over us anymore. We are alive in Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, that great love that you bestowed upon us, that you made Christ subjected to death, and that he rose again in the certainty that we will rise again. In fact, all things are subjected under your sovereignty. You determine everything. Everything has a beginning and an end in this world. But only you, in you, there is eternity. And we are now alive, recreated to live in eternity with you. And we have received this promise as well. And as certain as our Lord Jesus Christ was raised on the third day, we will be raised on the last day as well. When body and spirit will come together. Father, we thank you that we can confess this, that this is our strength, our hope, that we don't have to fear death, that we don't have to fear all the things that are happening today because Jesus is alive. He is risen and we are raised in him as well. Bless your congregation then, Lord, so that we can proclaim this good news. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.